1: it is indeed nba sound system live scott rafferty over there carlin gay over here and we are live across the nba global Networks. scott how you doing my man i am doing well um lots of
0: exciting basketball going on right now i think we're in a pretty good spot in the nba season um and obviously still a lot of basketball to be played and a lot of things to be figured out from mvp top seeds in each conference so
1: so all is well on my end how about you I, I am great. I am uh, surprised to see that we're flying through not only the calendar year, but it, it seems the NBA season, it, it feels like All-Star Weekend is is just around the corner. We didn't think we were going to have one. Now we're going to have one. Um, I know some people are opposed to it, so we'll, we'll get that out there. I, I don't know what truly how I feel about it. Um, I, I just hope that it's a safe weekend at the end of the day if they do end up having it, which it looks like they will. Uh, and, and, and everything that comes with it is still good for discussion in the, the NBA fan. I mean, he still loves to talk about all-star weekend and, and all-star teams who should be in the dunk contest, three-point contest, everything in between. We will talk about our starters and we'll finally give our starters Which, Because today is the, uh, if you don't know Scott, which I'm sure you do, uh, Mm -hmm. today is the final day for all-star voting, uh, starting voting uh, from the fans, which you can do on NBA.com around the world. Uh, So if you haven't done that and you're listening to this right now, go ahead and get your your starting five on both sides of the conference. Scott and I will give you our picks a little later on. We'll also talk about uh, the Utah Jazz and um, how good they've actually been this season. Because right now, best team in the NBA record-wise, and it feels as though... I don't know, and I'll get your opinion in a second, Scott, but it feels as though we're not really paying them the attention that they truly deserve. So we'll discuss that. But first, got to start with, um, I guess, some sad, not really sad news, but down news. Uh, Anthony Davis and his Achilles uh, tendon. Um, I don't want to call it an injury. There's definitely some soreness there. It's not right. It's not as healthy as it should be. And I, I feel like the Lakers are being extremely cautious with what, could potentially be a devastating blow to their chances at repeating this season. We saw the reports out from from Adrian Wojnarowski. The MRI came back. It didn't look like it was any worse than what had initially happened. And if you don't know what happened, he's been having soreness in the Achilles. And then he had that leg, that bump with him and Nikola Jokic on Sunday night in that, in that loss to the Denver Nuggets. And that kept him out, and there was a scare, there was an MRI, came back, seems to be like everything's okay, and the Lakers are just going to play him cautious from here until eventually, obviously, the playoffs. So AD and this injury, the scary part is that it could keep him out of the lineup lineup uh, for quite some time, but also could, uh, you really don't know with Achilles. It, it, it's one of those one of those things that if it goes terribly wrong, it goes really wrong, and then AD's out for the better part of a year.
0: Yeah, the, the just the other thing that's, the other layer to this injury is that they've been, I feel like I've seen Achilles and calf strain just mentioned right. back and forth with him. And that just brings back memories of what happened with KD in that last season with Golden State. And I, I'm no medical expert, so I'm not going to sit here and, you know, posit what um, AD could be dealing with, if it's similar to KD, whatever the case may be. But just that part of your body dealing with those kind of injuries. Uh, for a guy who also has quite a long ling- injury history himself, Ultimately, the Lakers, it was such a short layoff for them because they won the title. They're a team built around two superstars, and all they really want to do, I mean, we thought they were going to coast through this season, and they've blown everyone, I think, everyone's expectations out to the water with how competitive they've been, LeBron in particular, him being perhaps the leading candidate for MVP. I don't really think anyone saw that coming into the season because they all, we all just assumed that they'd kind of take their foot off the gas, get through it with, you know, Dennis Schroeder, Montrez Harrell kind of picking up more of the slack as offensive-minded guys off of their bench. But, um, you know, now I think this is this is the time when you, you do want to take your foot off, off the gas a little bit. You want to take it easy with AD because, like you're saying, the last thing that you want is for them to go into the playoffs and be worrying about his health or, or him not being able to play in a series because of this or potentially the entire playoffs. Um, and obviously any long-term injury, LeBron just seems to defy father time. Um, he's showing <laughs> no signs of slowing down. But at the end of the day, you don't want to, you know, miss another potential playoff run with him because your second best player um, and sometimes your best player is not available so it's it's a long game for the Lakers and they just need to do everything they can to make sure AD is healthy when it really matters for them. Yeah, Just
1: to put the timeline out there, and as Scott mentioned, uh, the report came back that it's actually a calf strain. Initial thoughts were that it was in the Achilles and that he had felt soreness in that area. And as you mentioned, that same sort of story is what we heard with Kevin Durant leading to his Achilles injury. That kept him out of the NBA for almost a year and a half. Um, good to see that he's back and playing great basketball, but we don't want to spend that amount of time with AD not on the floor. The Lakers going to keep him out for at least two to three weeks. Uh, some other reports are saying that they're just going to keep him out all the way to the all-star break that if he, if they do that, that's going to be three to four weeks um, and you'll have a D no AD now uh, in the NBA and especially for the Lakers for an entire month. So AD's sideline for at least, you know, two to three weeks. We're probably closer to that month period where he's not going to play for the Lakers. How does that change the landscape in the Western Conference in the month that AD's is not going to be playing?
0: Yeah, it's an interesting question because they, they actually have a pretty tough stretch between now and the end of the, the first half of the first half of the season. Um, they, they play the Timberwolves, the Nets, who I, I don't know if the if KD is going to play in that game or not. Then they've got the Heat, the Wizards, the Jazz, the Blazers, the Warriors, the Suns and the Kings. Like The majority of those games are against competitive teams that have winning records and are playing for something this season. And suddenly, the benefit for them is six, I think six of their nine games are at home and three on the road. So they have that going for them. But they've got a pretty tough stretch coming up without AD. And I think one of the things that first came to mind for me when I heard this this news is that the MVP debate is already so heated at this point of the season, even though we're not even like what halfway through. But I do think, you know, this extended period of time without AD could be a really good opportunity for LeBron, who I already think is the front runner right now. I don't think it's it's a lock. Obviously, there's still a lot to be played, a lot of basketball to be played. A lot of things could change. Embiid, Jokic, Kawhi, they're all having terrific seasons and they could still win this award. But right now, I think LeBron is the front runner. And depending on how he and the Lakers survive this stretch without AD, that that's only going to bolster his case or or hurt it a little bit depending on you know how everything shakes out but yeah they've got an interesting stretch of games and i think ultimately if this injury was going to happen to ad this was probably the best time for it to happen just because you do have that 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 break between the first half of the season and the second half you have that all-star weekend so that that that's going to buy him and the team probably another week to 10 days that they normally wouldn't have had so the silver lining in it is i, I think this probably was the best time for it to happen but it's still going to be interesting to see how they navigate this because i mean let's be frank they're they're uh that they, they were a deeper team last season than i certainly thought they were they proved that mm-hmm. in the playoffs but they're still a team built around two superstars and it it's really hard to just make up for the loss of you know a top five top ten player um and luckily they have lebron who's still arguably the best player in the league but you know anytime you don't have that player it's gonna be tough
1: yeah and and uh, you know the on-court impact obviously you you lose like you said one of the top five or ten where depending on where you rate him uh best players in the league but defensively obviously that hurts because Mm -hmm. you know regardless of where you rate him overall in the league he is either you know second or third uh at worst you know best defender in the league um we saw his impact in the finals what that did for you know the lakers obviously rode his you know anchoring defensively to the point where he almost won finals mvp uh he was really good defensively and, and and was able to kind of Quarterback, uh, the Lakers' defense, and in my opinion, they're probably a better defensive team now than they were. Or sorry, they have better defensive pieces, uh, more intelligent defensive pieces now than they did. And, and I'm really speaking of Marcus Uh You know, Dennis Schroder is <laughs> obviously not Rondo, but it's more Marcus Uh So he, Marcus Marc might for the next month. Have to play more minutes, and maybe their defense drops off a little bit, but it doesn't hurt too too much. So that, I think that's the encore impact. LeBron's going to have a heavier load. I think he's leading uh, in minutes in the Western Conference anyway, and he's playing great basketball. So not worried about the Lakers in terms of uh, what they do on the court. But that, I I do think that they're going to lose more games um, than they probably would have if AD was in the lineup naturally because they're losing a, a great talent in, in Anthony Davis. And that opens up the door for you know the Phoenixes of the world, the Portlands of the world, to maybe leapfrog them in the standings. And that's not going to mean much to the Lakers because I think if the Lakers are healthiest, regardless of the seed that they have, they can win on the road, they can win at home. And if there's no crowd anyway, it's not going to really matter. Um, They're going to be okay if they're healthy in the playoffs. And I think they'll still have a good shot of making the finals. But I think if you're a team like Phoenix or a team like Portland – Having home court advantage, even though there's no crowd, it, it, it's 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 kind of like a uh, a mental uh, win for those younger teams that really haven't gone through a, a deep deep playoff run. Portland's not. I'm not spo- talking about Portland here. I'm talking more about Phoenix because Portland, I think, is 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 has been through it. They've they've gone through it a lot, and um, obviously they made the Western Conference Finals two years ago. So the the Phoenix Suns, who haven't made the playoffs in forever, they're going to make it this year. But if they're able to get to the third seed or or even the second seed. I think that goes a long way in in, in them believing in themselves and maybe even uh, pushing beyond the first round. For sure, uh,
0: the the Lakers are are fortunate that they have they have a three game lead on the Suns in the standings right now, and then a four game lead on the Blazers, and then obviously from then on it, it it gets bigger and bigger. So they have a little bit of wiggle room there, uh, which I think works in their favor. But uh, to to kind of you know go into our next conversation. I think the Jazz are probably the biggest winners out of all this right because I think if you're looking at them and what they've done this season they would benefit more than any other team in the West from having that number one seed because that way you hope that the Lakers and Clippers play each other before the conference finals you get to the conference finals and then you have to only beat one of those teams to make the NBA finals um, which which I mean based on the way they're playing right now I don't think that's you know out of the realm of possibility at all so uh that they're probably the team in addition to the suns or more so than the suns that i think kind of could benefit from this because it could just you know put them more than two games ahead of the lakers maybe it's five games six games whatever the case may be so because i really do think they benefit a lot from getting that number one seed
1: let's talk about this utah jazz team that is currently holding the number one seed as you said they are two games currently ahead of the la lakers uh, they've won nine of their last ten. They are absolutely rolling. Um, it, it, you know, Donovan Mitchell's playing great basketball. Uh, Rudy Gobert is playing great basketball. They feel like they are hitting the strides that we thought they would have hit a year ago. And the reason why I say that is because when they got Mike Conley, you know, from Memphis, a lot of people's quote unquote sleeper pick ended up becoming the Utah Jazz because it felt like Conley and the addition of Bogdanovich, those two pieces were what Utah was missing. It allowed Joe Ingles to kind of slide down. He didn't have to be the third, you know, scorer on the team. He, he could kind of be the, the you know the fifth or even sixth now, in, in in this team's case, scorer on the team. Halfway through the seasons, at some point, they get, you know, Jordan Clarkson, and we, we really didn't get to see what impact he could make. We now know that this is probably the best bench scorer in the league right now, you know, Lou Williams. Sorry, you, you've hung, you've handed over that crown to Jordan Clarkson right now. This guy is on his way to winning Sixth Man of the Year, and so I think the Jazz now are a complete team. We knew they were really good defensively. But I'm more impressed with the weapons that they have offensively. You have Mitchell. uh, We know what Gobert does. It it doesn't get highlighted enough, unless you're a Utah Jazz fan that likes to count his uh, screen assists. Um, It it really doesn't get highlighted enough what he does offensively. And then the spacing added with Bogdanovich uh, angles. And then now Conley feels Comfortable, and then when you bring in, you know, Royce O'Neal. I don't think enough people are talking about his contributions on both ends of the floor. He's a guy that is it it really is uh, a Covington-like player. Um, And and then you have, you know, Jordan Clarkson. As I said, the best bench scorer in the league. They have the best net rating in the NBA right now. Um, They're shooting the lights out. They're doing everything possible uh including winning um why do you feel and and also the one thing i will point out is they're not doing it at a fast pace like they have one of the slowest paces in the nba so they're playing playoff style basketball why aren't more people talking about the utah jazz it's a good question
0: i think some of it just has to do with the fact that they don't have like a they don't have a top ten player on their team, I, I think that's fair to say. We, when we did our player rankings going to the season, I think we had Donovan Mitchell and Rudy Gobert in the top thirty, but it was something like they were eighteen and twenty fifth. Um, and I also think, speaking of Rudy Gobert specifically, he's someone who a casual watcher of the NBA or someone who just looks at the box scores or something like that. I don't think appreciates the impact that he has on a night-to-night basis. Like for example, like last night against the 76ers, I don't know how many blocks he had, he may have only had one or two blocks, but that only scratches the surface of how many shots he's altering around the, the rim. And honestly, how many times someone gets to the basket, he doesn't even jump and they just blow a layup because they're terrified of him because they know what he can do. And then like you said offensively, it's it's funny to watch them at times because it's like Rudy Gobert will set a, a screen, they'll switch, and he'll have like someone who's six foot two on him. And I think pretty much every other center in the NBA at that point would be like, "Hey, give me the ball in the post, let me go to work." And he just goes down into the dunker spot and makes himself available for an alley oop or to crash the offensive glass because this is one of the best offensive rebounding teams in the league. And it, I think for for people, it, it's kind of weird to see this guy who is so big. Um, be at times look like a non-factor on offense, but he is so central to what they are doing offensively because, again, it's the offensive rebounding, it's the cutting, it's the alley-oop thread around the basket. And the other thing is they have so many, offensive pl- so, so many capable scorers on their team, and their offense just thrives when they're moving the ball from one side of the court to the other, and they're just running pick-and-roll after pick-and-roll after pick-and-roll, and Gobert is in the middle of all of that. And that's what makes them just so difficult to game plan for because obviously, you know, Donovan Mitchell gets all the attention for being the, the, their number one scorer and everything. But, like, Bogdanovich can break down someone in the pick and roll and create a shot for himself. He'll post up guards when they switch onto him. Joe Ingles isn't a big-time scorer, but he can score, and he's also an excellent playmaker out of the pick and roll. Um, and like you said, Jordan Clarkson, Mike Conley, all of them can get buckets. Um, but it, it's just, I, I feel like it it takes more of maybe a nuanced... Um, eye to to kind of see all the things that make them tick on both ends of the court and really how important Rudy Gobert is to that. But one of the things for me that I feel like isn't getting talked about enough for them is that they're making making 16.8 threes per game right now. And they're doing it at just under a 40% clip. They're making 39.5% of their threes. That's the most in NBA history. The, the, the Rockets have the record right now, the 2018-19 Rockets have the record for three-pointers made per game in a season with 16.1, and they're at 16.8 right now, and that, that number could drop um, throughout the between now and the end of the season, but I feel like that's just not being talked about enough because when you think back to those Rockets team, that's all anyone could talk about. All of it was how small they are, how they space the floor, how they get up threes, and this Jazz team is taking... You're making as many as they are, and they, they don't seem to have that kind of same image um, as those Rockets teams. So they're, they're just lights out. Rudy Gobert obviously can't shoot outside of the paint, but everyone else on the team, really except for him and Derek Favors, who, who plays the Rudy Gobert role when they go to those bench units, everyone can shoot, um, and they just space the floor out, they rotate really well, they move the ball really well. I know Brad Stevens, after the, the, the Celtics played the Jazz, he said they're so difficult to defend because they have an answer to, like, every coverage you throw at them. And he actually compared them to the 2014 Spurs because of the way they move and the quick decisions that they make. So that whether or not they're, they're the team to beat, whether or not they come in the championship this season, I honestly don't know. I think that, you know, we're going to have a better sense of the answer, how the rest of the season plays out, and obviously how things shake out in the playoffs. But they're, I mean, there's so much fun to watch right now. And, and you saying they've won nine of the last ten, 10 games. I think they've only lost one game since the start of January, basically, and that's when the Nuggets went, basically didn't miss a three against them. Um, I think that was like a historic night for them. So they basically just haven't lost a game in, in a month and a half, uh, which is just absurd. So so they're, they're rolling right now, and it, it is so much fun to watch.
1: Yeah, they're, uh, they're, they're hooping. They're undefeated in the month of February, um, and they are really playing good basketball. The one thing I want to point out that you did say, and I think this is the reason why I think most people are skeptical to, to pick the Jazz, is um, they, they don't have a top 10 player. And I think through the history of the NBA, we've we've learned that most championship teams have a go-to guy and a go-to finisher. On this Utah Jazz team, that guy is Donovan Mitchell, and the last two playoff runs for Mitchell, um, you know, have you know, the, the, excluding the bubble before that, because the bubble, I think, uh, we we can't take too much from the bubble because he he was a lot of players I think had a, a bump in in their play, uh, and and he played crazy, uh, but the last two playoff runs prior to the bubble, it, he left a little bit to be desired when they were asking him to elevate his game and. I don't think people are taking into account how young he is uh, going through these playoff runs. One, B, if he had learned from those situations before. And then C, his team around him is better. I don't think people are taking into account those three things. So when you say there's not a top 10 player on this team, there isn't right now. But I think Donovan Mitchell um, is going to get to the point, or he's going to have to get to the point anyway, where he, he... Can close a game in the playoffs uh, that 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 can you know take his team over the top. He has to make one of those plays where or or a couple of those plays in a series where we finally say to ourselves, okay, he's 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 got it now. He 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 figured out how to be a quote unquote closer. Um, And until then, I don't think people will take the Utah Jazz serious, and it's a shame because they're playing great basketball. And I think we do with every team in NBA history that kind of comes out of not I don't want to say comes out of nowhere, but hasn't. Traditionally won. Um, I think the early Warriors that that was the same thing issue with them. 2015 Warriors. When you look at them, the year before they didn't have the deep playoff run, and then all of a sudden they're in the finals, and it's all can can teams win with jump shooting, and it's it, it just more questions than there were answers a, until they won a championship and and did it again, and then you know people sort of expected that out of them. I, I think Utah is in that same boat. Uh, it happened to the Raptors. They they had to end up getting Kawhi Leonard, but. Um, I, I, I think that this Utah Jazz has enough within, and especially with Donovan Mitchell, uh, if he can show us this playoff run that he has figured out how to be a closer, uh, because the team around him is better. Um, the, the, he doesn't have to, you know, lift, have to do the heavy lifting all the time that he, he, he would have had to uh, have done the last three years in the, in the playoffs. I, I think this Utah Jazz team could make some noise in the postseason, uh, and, and we're just not talking enough about this team.
0: I'm with you on that. I I do think they can make some noise in the postseason, especially if things break the right way for them, which is why, going back to what I was saying before, I think getting the number one seed in the West is going to be so important for them because the last thing you want to do is have to go through the Clippers in one round and then potentially the Lakers or the other way around to make the finals. Uh, Because, I mean, I I think it's fair to say those are the, the, if not the two, however you want to frame it, the two best teams, the two scariest teams, the two teams with the best title odds in the West, you you only want to play one of them um, if you have to. But, yeah, I think all the, the Donovan Mitchell things you said is fair. Like, you, you look at last night. Uh, I mean, Jordan Clarkson scored 40 points and carried them to, to that victory. And Donovan Mitchell didn't really have a big game. He shot 9-24 for 24 from the field. Um, and I think maybe in the past, maybe that would have doomed the, the Jazz. Maybe that's a game that they lose because Donovan Mitchell is, is not scoring efficiently enough. He's not putting up big enough numbers. But they, they just have so many threats on this team. And they've been doing this little stretch recently without Mike Conley, who... You, I mean, you look at Mike Conley's a terrific player. He's always been. He's always you know kind of had the the case to be the best player in NBA history to never make an All Star game and all that. You look at his advanced numbers this season, and it basically points to him being one of the most valuable players in the league and, and the guy who's really driving all this for the Jazz. I don't know if I believe that. I, I mean, I don't believe that. Um, but he's he's having a, he's having a terrific season. And they've been doing this without him, and that just speaks to how deep they are because they really can go about nine, eight, nine men deep, and there's very few teams that are able to do that and going back to what I was saying as well before I think one of the things that that really jumps out to me about this team is that they can always just they, they basically play the same way for 48 minutes and I think that's why it was so important that they got Derek Favors in the offseason because obviously he, he's he's been in this system before they know what they can expect from him but you you look at that second unit they can basically plug guys in and it's just like 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 Jordan Clarkson's Donovan Mitchell light. Do you know what I mean? Like he gives him the same scoring burst guy who can get hot Roll. Joe Ingles almost feels like the Mike Conley like he can shoot he can make plays he can run a pick and roll. Um, and then you have Derek Favors kind of filling that Rudy Gobert role and then even like George's Nyang, He he's their stretch four. and it really just allows them to play their brand of basketball for 48 minutes, um, which makes them really hard to defend and and yeah, I, I think they're just a really good team. I kind of think of like those Atlanta Hawks teams in the Eastern Conference when they had the best record in the league. Like They kind of give me those kind of vibes just because they play both ends of the court really well. They execute. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the ball is on a string and all this. Uh, and Whether or not that's enough to get them through, uh, again, make the finals, we'll see. But I almost feel like talking about that right now does this team a disservice because they are playing so well and you almost just have to appreciate how good they're being.
1: Yeah, the, the, the two question marks I have for them, uh, and, and we'll move on in a sec, but the two question marks I have for them is, one, when you brought up the Atlanta Hawks, it, it makes me think of not only the Hawks, but also the Milwaukee Bucks from the last couple of years, yeah. and I think the Jazz fall into this uh, kind of, I don't want to say trap, but they fall into this category as well, and the fact that they have a system and sometimes in the playoffs having a system that works and works as well as it has for all of these teams that we're talking about penalizes you because you rely on it so much and you believe in it so much that when there's time or a call to make an adjustment um, you just you just don't have it in you to do it because you revert back to the system and it's very easy to game plan to take away certain things when you see it night and after night and the only teams that sort of break away from that is and the reason why the Hawks weren't able to do that is because they didn't have that guy uh, when the system broke down to go to and, and it was supposed to be Joe Johnson, but he was never able able to elevate uh, to that level where, you know, he's saying, you know what, forget the system. I'm going to give you 40 tonight and that's going to be a problem Uh the, the Bucks. We, we've, yet to, we've yet to see Giannis have one of those games in a, a deep playoff series where we've, he's, we've, you've seen in the first round, he's destroyed teams for an entire series. We saw what he did to Boston. We saw what he did to Detroit. But by the time he gets to second and third round, there hasn't been a game where he said, you know what, I'm going for 35 and there's nothing you can do to stop it. Forget about the system. And I think Donovan Mitchell will fall into this as well. We know about the almost 60 point game that he had in the bubble, but that wasn't a loss. Like we haven't seen that happen in enough in a win yet. Um, and I think he's capable. And I also think that this team is better. But I, I do have to see it in a in a postseason run. Um, you know, going up against a, a solid team. So that's the only question I have around them is if if the system falls apart in the postseason. Can Donovan Mitchell um, take the game over and 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 you know win you a series, not just a game, but a series? That's the only question yeah. I have around the Jazz.
0: Yeah, it's interesting that you mentioned the Bucks because I, I I wrote them down when I was when I was uh, thinking about the Jazz and what they're doing right now. And I mean that they're, they're a team with a top five, top three player in Giannis, and they still kind of hit those problems in the playoffs. So it just goes to show how hard it is. And, and the other thing is, you don't even have to look back that far for an example of how important it is for teams to be able to kind of adapt and and how important versatility is because we saw with the Lakers last year, like like I'll never forget them playing against the Rockets who went all in on small ball by playing PJ Tucker and Robert Covington at the four on the five and AD just played a ton of center that series. Mm. And then the next series they're playing the Nuggets. And then Dwight Howard, who basically didn't play against the Rockets is suddenly starting and guarding Jokic because they need his size against him and the ability for everyone else to kind of, work around that and it helps that you know ad is is who he is he's one of the most versatile bigs in nba history quite frankly and and lebron is lebron but yeah that 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 was so important for that lakers team because they could just kind of adapt based on who their opponent was um and even when you look back two years ago to the raptors Defensively, they were one of the best defensive teams we've seen in a really long time um, because of just how versatile they were and how they can match up with so many different teams. So, yeah, I, I have the the same concerns you do. Uh, but again, it, it it we have time to to kind of uh, analyze that, look into it, because uh, right now that they're, they're just blowing everyone out. And it's again, I, I know I'm a broken record at this point, but it, it's been a joy to watch.
1: Yeah, I'm also interested to see if they do uh, make a move at the deadline to just you know, as you said. I don't think that they need to get deeper. I do think that they might maybe need to get a little bit more versatile and add, uh, you know, a big that might be like a Dwight Howard that might sit on the bench for an entire series. But you can put him in uh, to to combat, you know, six files to AD uh, if they do see the Lakers in the postseason. All right, let's move on. Final day of all-star voting. You can do it right now on NBA.com around the world. All-star voting closes today, uh, which is Tuesday here, February 16th. Scott, we made our picks over on NBA.com uh, of who we should who should start in the All Star Game. Um, I don't think we disagreed at all in the Western conference. We did disagree in the East, so let's quickly mm-hmm. go through the West. Uh, I had Damian Lillard, as did you, in the backcourt. You had Steph Curry. Um, we, we both had LeBron James, Kawhi Leonard, and Nikola Jokic. The front court is pretty easy. Uh the backcourt is where it gets a little tricky. Why why Lillard? Why Curry in the backcourt?
0: Yeah, this was the uh, this was a tough one. I mean, when we did it a couple of weeks ago, I had Damian Lillard and I had Luca instead of Steph Curry. And basically, since then, Steph Curry has just been setting the world on fire. Um, and now he's he's his numbers are basically identical to his unanimous MVP season. So I think really, the three of them, you can't go wrong with with any of them. And I, it, it's really hard for me to just leave any one of them off. And even though I don't value Um, team record as much for All-Star as they do for something like All-NBA. I think when it's this close between three people, I do kind of lean on it a little bit more. And that's why I give Curry and Lillard the edge because the Warriors have surpassed expectations this season and they're ahead of the Mavericks in the standings. And it's all built around Curry. I mean, he's by far and away their best offensive player. And there's a huge drop-off between him and the next best offensive player on that team. And Damian Lillard, what he's been doing, not only personally, the numbers that he's putting up, but the way he's carrying a Blazers team that... I mean, they they've been without four of their five starters at some points in this season, and they're still without CJ McCollum and Yusuf Nurkic. And the way that he takes over games down the stretch, I I, I just it, I I had an easier time talking myself into both of them at this point right now, even though Luka Doncic is is incredible. Um, I mean, he's he's averaging basically a thirty point triple double. His numbers are the same as last season, if not better. But the Mavs just that they've been one of the big, biggest disappointments in the league this season, and I I don't blame him a ton for that. But I just think when it is this close between three guys, the, the the team record does kind of level it out for me.
1: Yeah, it's it it was an easy choice for me uh, in the in the starting five for for the Western Conference. To be quite honest with you, I, I thought you know Lillard, I thought um, you know Curry had the best cases for the best season. I'm not I'm not just talking number numbers wise. I'm talking about impact on the team. I'm talking about the way that they've played. Um, they've they've had more quote unquote all star moments in my opinion, and in the front court, there's really no argument to be made. Um, there was you know a member of our staff that did pick uh, Donovan Mitchell over Damian Lillard for uh, that spot in the backcourt. Uh, his reason was, and Yasha's uh, reason was, uh, winning should matter, and with the Jazz having the best record in the NBA, he gave Mitchell the nod to start. I don't think Mitchell should start. I do think that he should be on the All Star team, um, obviously, but I I think. The reason why I didn't go Yasha's Ruth here is is because, and I agree, winning should matter for for some. But I think it matters more when you're looking at All NBA, and I think we've said Agreed. this here before, so I'm, I'm repeating myself. But I, I think it matters more when we're we're looking at All NBA, and then also I think you can I don't think you can take one Jazz player uh, and, and say above the rest that they've had the better case to start on the all-star team because of the winning record i think you can make a case for rudy gobert i think you could make uh, if, if if conley was healthy i think you could also make a case for conley um as much as you can for mitchell so if mitchell was head and shoulders above every other jazz player i i, I would feel more comfortable picking him in the starting five based off of what they're doing and record wise but because i like i said i don't think that he's been the only reason or the main reason why this jazz team is clicking so well I think you could make an argument, really, for Rudy Gobert. Like I don't, I wouldn't put him over Jokic, because Jokic is in an MVP conversation. But he would have been my start. if I had to pick one Jazz player. I think I would have had an easier time picking uh, Gobert over putting Mitchell in the backcourt because of the the impact that Mitch that Gobert rather has had this year.
0: Yeah, hey, I'm with you on that. I, I think you hit the nail on the head with with all those points. Um, and I, I do think there's an argument to be made that. Rudy Gobert is the most important piece of the Jazz, just because of one what he does defensively for them. But going back to what I was saying before, all the things that he does offensively for them, even though he is not, you know, he's the rare center who doesn't shoot threes and doesn't post up, his his screening, the way he rolls to the basket, and all that, um, that's just central to everything they do offensively. So I I do think it it's, it's really hard for me to pick any one of them for this position, and even quite frankly to pick two of them. I, I think. Two members of the Jazz are probably going to make the All-Star team, and I think it's going to probably be Gobert and Mitchell, but I've seen a lot of people want Conley to be one of the picks over Mitchell even, um, so it, it it does kind of work against them, I guess, in that sense, and that also, I mean, Curry Lillard and Luca have been absolutely incredible, and they're MVP candidates, and right. um, that, that, that's the other element to this, so right. I, I'm with you on that.
1: Right. We're not we're not picking scrubs over them. And they're still gonna make the team. And they should, you know, they should have two jazz on the team and it should be Rudy and also Donovan Mitchell. Move to the Eastern Conference. Um for the most part we agreed. The front court, again, super easy. Joel Embiid, Giannis Atakumpo, and uh Kevin Durant, who Mm -hmm. it's you know I don't think we're highlighting enough that this dude missed a whole year of basketball coming off one of the most devastating injuries you can have as a basketball player and is playing at an MVP level. Uh, I don't think that gets talked about enough. And doing it, like, right away, right out the gate. Like, he's he yeah. is hooping. Looks exactly as good as or might even be better than when he left. It's it's incredible. Um, the backcourt is different. The backcourt is where we uh, – had a disagreement. Um, James Harden, I think we agree on, which uh, mm-hmm. we we did not. Uh, none of the other two members of this panel uh, agreed with. They both picked Kyrie Irving in Brooklyn. Reason why I had James Harden uh, over Kyrie Irving and it, is because I, I think Kyrie missed enough time or missed too much time um, with with uh, you know taking that time off. So I I, I think he's an All Star. I just don't. I can't. I can't put him as a starter, especially over uh, a guy on his own team who's playing terrific basketball right now. And I know that James Harden, the other argument against not or picking James Harden over Kyrie, or rather, Kyrie over James Harden, is that James Harden kind of dogged it for his time in Houston, and you should have to take some of that into account. Fortunately, I don't. I, I'm, I'm just, I'm just taking into account, you know, what he's doing with the Brooklyn Nets. That's what his season started for me. Uh, you know, sue me. That's that's the reason why I picked James Harden there. Well, you you uh, you feel the same way in, in terms of the backcourt with James Harden's choice over the others.
0: I, I do, and quite frankly, another part of this is like he, he's just a perennial MVP candidate, and it, it just feels really weird for me to not have James Harden, who I think it's fair to say is a top five or ten player in the league. Uh, starting in the All-Star game, and like you said, he's been awesome with the Nets, and I think his willingness to kind of serve as the the point guard on this team and take more of the playmaking burden and scoring less than we've seen from in the last few seasons, I think that's really helped this team hit the ground running and eased his fit next to Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant because – we, I mean, we've already talked a lot about the Nets. All the concerns about this team are defensively, and I really think it's fair to say there are no concerns anymore offensively. Like, they've proven that they are dynamite, that they fit next to each other. Whether or not they can keep it going, we'll we'll, we'll see. But they, they've just been so much better offensively and clicked so much sooner than I think anyone expected. And I think, Kevin, uh, sorry, James Harden is a big reason for that because he's basically flirting with a triple-double every single night, and he's getting guys involved. And, I mean, again, he's, he's just a top 5-10 player in the league um so I, I didn't have him on my list a couple weeks ago because, partly because we hadn't seen that much of him with the nets and there the mm-hmm. was that weird start with the rockets but i think we're far enough removed from that now where you can kind of look at it all packaged into one and i think he he just deserves it um the other spot was really difficult for me because i i don't see i i still don't know if i made the right decision i i went with bradley beal i think Bradley Beale's game speaks for itself. He's leading the league in scoring, averaging 33.1 points per game. He's doing it pretty efficiently. He's not just a chucker, but, you know, the Wizards are terrible. Um, they picked up a couple wins lately. Beal was awesome in those games. The reason it was tough for me is because I really I, I, I really had a hard time keeping Jalen Brown off of this starting group, and I think mm-hmm. you had him in, right? I did. Yeah, I did. so you had him in. I had Beal. I had Beal instead of him. I... I, I don't know how I feel about it, to be honest. Um, I'd be lying to you if I said I didn't lose like a tiny bit of sleep last night after we published <laughs> this because I was thinking about it. Um, I, I ultimately just went with Beale because 33 points per game, shooting efficiently is nothing to scoff at. Um, and Jalen Brown has come back down to earth a little bit lately. But when you look at his numbers on the season, he, he's still having an absolutely terrific season. Um, and uh, if if anyone has him starting over Beal, I, I wouldn't argue against it, really.
1: Yeah, I mean, and then I didn't go with Beal, and I, and, I, and I promise you guys that I did not hold his record against him. I, I really didn't. I tried my best to kind of eliminate that for, uh, you know, this purpose, because he's playing that good. Um, and I think I was able to come to the decision without having to factor in um, the record as heavily as I think most people have. Um, you know, it, when you look at the injuries and everything that the Celtics have dealt with, it's... Comparable to what the you know Wizards have, um, you know the 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 Celtics have uh, lost Jason Tatum for you know health and safety reasons. Kemba Walker just getting into basketball shape, and through all of that, Jalen Brown really had to carry this team, uh, and he, he's I mean he's hooping like it's mm-hmm. twenty six points per game, 250 fifty percent from the field, forty from three. This dude is whooping. He's doing efficiently. He's taking his game to the next level, doing it on both ends of the floor as well. Um, we can't say that about Bradley Beal. He's having a terrific offensive season. He is a revolving door defensively. Um, but and then the the one that stuck out to me, you look at value of a replacement player. Bradley Beal's is having one of the, he's having his best season of his life. Right. Like He's never had a better season than this this year. And it's comparable in terms of, uh, you know, VORP to to what Jalen Brown has brought to the table. And that to me said enough for me to say, all right, Jalen Brown has done enough to earn this. I think if Jalen Brown had been an all-star last year, it would be easier for most people to pick Jalen Brown. But because he's, he hasn't been an all-star yet, people find it, find it tough to give someone their first all-star selection um, as a starter. And unless they they come in the league and, and you're you're like a Zion or you're a LeBron or you come in with this hype or Luca for example you come in with mm-hmm. this hype that is unbelievable and you live up to it. Jalen Brown has had to work to get to where he is. He came in with with hype, you know, number three overall pick. It's not like he you know he, he was in the lottery. He's expected to be good, but it took him a while to get there. It took him a while to get to this player that he is now. And now there's a conversation where. It, it who knows who's the best player on the Celtics? Is it him? Was it Tatum? They don't know, right? So I think Jalen Brown deserves a spot when you look at everything and you, and you really deep dive into it. I don't think most fans are doing that. I think most fans are just picking their favorite player, but if you want to reward uh, a guy for having a great first half of the season, which is what this is, then I'm, I'm going with Jalen Brown. He, like I said, does it on both ends of the floor. His value of a replacement is very comparable to what Bradley Beal is. And, uh, and that's even with Bradley Beal having the terrific season that he's having right now. And, and no, and last thing, very small part of it, you look at the injuries; they're comparable. And look how bad the Wizards are, and look where the Celtics are. And, and that's not to say like the Celtics are killing it either; they're they're it's they're struggling underachieving. Right now. They're it's underachieving. And, but they're still a way above water and way above where they should be given all the circumstances that you, when you look at them as a whole, like Peyton Pritchard has had to play big minutes for them. They, I don't think they expected that coming into the season. So, and, and Jalen Brown has been a large part of the reason why they're where they are. So I'm going Jalen Brown over Bradley Beal all day, every day. I, and I think Bradley Beal would be my third spot. And then I, w- I would probably take a long look at Trey Young as the fourth.
0: The, going back to Jalen Brown, by the way, I, I think that's why most improved player is, is a tricky award because it really, I mean, it goes to the player who's made the, the biggest improvement or the biggest leap in one season. But it, it really takes away from guys like Jalen Brown who, you, like you're saying, literally every single season he's been in the league has added something new to his game that has completely transformed him as a player. Um, Bam Adebayo I know he was among the I think he was a finalist for MIP last season but he's another person who comes to mind where it's like every single season he adds something new to his game that takes him to another level as a player and that jump might not be enough for him to win most improved player but again like if you put a list of of the which players have improved the most over the last five years like jalen brown would be at the top of that list um i I haven't done that list but i'm assuming he would just because of how much he has improved pascal siakam is another guy who comes to mind obviously he won it but you know it it, i feel like that award does kind of take away from guys like jalen brown who who do improve so much every single year maybe not to the extent as the one-year leap that some do but but over the course of those years um, the rest of the Eastern Conference backcourt is really tough, by the way. And we, we haven't done our reserves yet. I think we're going to publish that probably next week on the site, looking at which reserves we think should make it. But, I mean, you look at guys like Zach Levine, too. I mean, his case is pretty similar to Bradley Beal, where it's like a team is not winning a ton of games, but he's putting up huge numbers um, more efficiently than, than than Bradley Beal, by the way. He's averaging 28.2 points, shooting uh, just under 50-40-90. He's having a terrific season. What, what do you do about him in the front court? What do you do about a guy like Julius Randle who's having a career year and is really propelling the Knicks to a level that I don't think anyone really saw coming this season? So um, the, the, the East after the starters, the starters were relatively easy except for that other guard spot for me. But I think the reserves in the East are going to be much tougher than the West.
1: You're keeping Julius Randle off your uh, your reserves list right now, top, top of your head, if you had to vote right now
0: i think so i think he would be one of the last cuts i don't think he would make it um but i i, I think he, oh, you, wow you're really putting me on the spot
1: aren't you? if you if you okay we'll, we'll we'll make it easy for you you got to pick you, you can maximum pick four front court guys who are the four front court guys that go over julius randall four full, four, four front court guys over julius randall
0: um i gotta pull up the list now i mean jalen brown jason tatum both gonna make it right i think that's mm-hmm. that's fair to say chris middleton is a lock for me mm-hmm. um so that's three right there and then i i think i'd lean more towards bam Adebayo, quite frankly okay. over julius randall and, and that's just off the top of my head um but and even then we haven't got the guys gordon Hayward, jeremy grant uh, do you know what I mean? The, yeah. the monster the one, bonus j- Tobias Harris. Listen,
1: you, you should stop at Gordon Hayward. I, I love Jeremy Grant. He is he's having an incredible season. The Pistons uh, can't as a reserve. The Pistons can't get you know uh, an all star. I'm sorry. Um just, even in
0: the backcourt by the way like Ben Simmons is going to be a fascinating one do you know what I mean cuz he's he's really picked up lately and he's cemented himself as you know in the running for defensive player of the year uh, I think I'd give Rudy Gobert the edge right now over Ben Simmons but he's absolutely in that conversation with what he's been doing lately and he's picked he's he had a slow start offensively to the season but he's picked it up mm-hmm. lately um and uh, like the the, the backcourt is just crazy as well and he's going to be one of those guys who my gut says he's an Eastern Conference All-Star, but the, there's just so many guys fighting for that spot that he could get the squeeze. For what we know. So it, it's going to be interesting to kind of filter through that.
1: Kyrie Irving, Trey Young, um, Malcolm Brogdon is in that mix when you're talking about backcourt players. Uh, Zach Levine, it's it's it is tough. Do you put Collin Sexton in there? Um, you know th- that that's up for debate. I don't know if Collin Sexton is there, but he's he is playing well, and at some point. There should be a conversation about how well he's playing. Um, The front court for me, I think Randall does sneak in. Um, Like you said, no one was expecting this from the Knicks. He's been consistently good. Um, You know, he's taken on the uh, you know the the responsibility of being the go-to guy on a team that really needed that. And you know, despite there's there's been nights where he's brought it, and you know, RJ Barrett, who is probably your second or third scoring option, hasn't. Um and 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 Randall's kind of brought them to the promised land, so to speak. You know, the Knicks haven't been in this spot for a very long time. They're still a game of under five hundred, but they're sixth place in the Eastern Conference, and that that means something. So, uh, I would have Julius Randall. Um, I would have Chris Middleton. I don't think we could leave him off, and I think Chris Middleton really is one of the most underrated players in the NBA. Yep. And you know, if you're looking at Gordon Haywood, I think Gordon Haywood does deserve it and then I would have Bam Adebayo as my last um as my last spot there for the for the four. So those are those are the uh those are the four and you know Jason Tatum great you know I, I I'm sorry but I got I had I have to leave you off like if it, See, he I missed can't too leave. much time. He, he missed too much Tatum time off. for
0: me. I can't leave it's Tatum tough. off. It is tough. Um, but and we, we didn't mention- four. And uh Vucevic is another one by the way. We we haven't mentioned him and he well, whether or not he makes, it, he makes it. Yeah, whether or not he makes it we'll we'll, we'll see him We'll debate that another day, I think, but he's absolutely in this conversation, so it, it's tough. I, I It's it's going to be really tough, and I know I mentioned, I think I mentioned Jalen Brown as a forward, by the way, because he's down as a forward, which brings up a whole different conversation about <laughs> positionless basketball and which position these guys play, because right. he is a forward on NBA.com stats that I'm looking at, but he's a guard on, on the all-star ballot, but right. um, it, it's tough. There's just, there's so many worthy candidates this season, and I think some of that has to do with... We're, we're doing all-star all-star voting sooner than we usually would i think usually we do it around the half point of the season maybe and it's like the third point right now um so we're working with smaller sample size with everyone and you know if we had 10 15 more games to kind of decide these things maybe these things would be easier to to figure out but it, it it's really tough this year it feels like it's harder than ever before
1: yeah all nba i feel like is going to be tougher this year than it has been in years past because there's going to be so much, it's it's going to be a lag logjam in the east and even in the western conference in that middle part, uh, and that's usually when you use record to kind of separate, um, you know, teams or players rather uh, to to make the All NBA for me anyway. And we just we're struggling to to name an All Star team that really doesn't matter at the end of the day. But All NBA is so important to. Oh yeah. Everything oh, yeah. uh, in the in the league, not only just contract wise, but I think when you look back, and when when you look back, and you look back in in the history of a year, if you're someone that you know is, is five years old right now, and you and you you grow up to be you know wanting to figure out what happened in 2021, um, all NBA is a great indication to tell you who are the 15 best players that season. You can't mess that up. You you really just can't mess that up.
0: Well, the, the funny thing is to think about that: LeBron, Kevin Durant, Kawhi Leonard, and Giannis. Only two of those guys to make All NBA First Team. Do you know what I mean? Like th- right. those forward spots are going to be so hard to figure out. Um, the center spots actually pretty easy right now because I think it's fair to say, it, unless something crazy happens between now and the end of season, it's going to be in some order. Jokic, beat and Gobert. But even like Gobert being third team based on the way that he's playing this season, that, that's that's crazy, and that just speaks to how good Jokic and beat have been. But um, yeah, it, it's that's going to be. I, I feel like All NBA First Team and Second Team top to bottom might be relatively easy at least like you know who the the 10 players are on those teams are going to be because you're going to have Luca, Curry, Dame um, at the guard positions just off the top of my head I, I, I think it's going to be relatively easy to come up with those 10 players but that third team there's just going to be so many guys vying buying for those spots and like you said it, it's not only important for kind of the history of the league when you look back on it also really important to these players and you know mm-hmm. contractual reasons because there's guys if they make an all nba team they get a bump in their salary um so, so there's a lot riding on those teams and it's yeah it, it's I, I part of me you know it, it'd be nice to have a vote in these things because it's exciting but the other part of it is like it's nice to not have it's a stressful. vote because it's so stressful there's so much that goes stressful.
1: into it it is a lot um we, we don't have enough time to do it now but i think next week we'll, we'll do the exercise uh, ourselves and figure out what All-NBA would look like if you removed positions. So what mm-hmm. who would be on that first team? Because you, you can really stack that first team with you know, five forwards and if you, if you believe those are the five best. So we'll, we'll do that next week. We'll, we'll take some time and, and think about it and, and get back to it next week. If you haven't already, uh, now is the time to go out and vote for your NBA All-Stars. Of course, All-Star Weekend coming up in Atlanta, Georgia. We're going to have, uh, reportedly, the skills competition, three-point contest, dunk contest at halftime, all on the Sunday. I mean, it feels like it's going to be a jam-packed Sunday. It's the NBA you know, fans' dream. Just hopefully everyone gets through it safely. Um, I, I know there's a lot of people opposed to it, but I also know that there's a lot of people for it, and I, I'm, I'm somewhere in the middle. I just want everybody to be safe at the end of the day. Bottom line is, though, you still can go out and vote for the All-Stars and uh, kind of reward some of your favorite players for the seasons that they are having. Hopefully, you don't lose sleep over it like my man scott did uh this past (laughs) week for scott rafferty i am carlin gay we will see you next week right back here on the nba global networks live on nba sound system 3 p.m eastern noon pacific across the nba global networks you guys have a great week and we will see you next time